You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. for BOL, of course, part of the 247sports.com network. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. It's been a pretty busy summer out there at Peterbrook. And as you're starting to get into that new school year, you need to go ahead and uplift the spirits a little bit. Head out to Peterbrook Chocolatier at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North, maybe the Gelato Maybe the chocolate bins, the carousel right there in the middle of the outstanding setup there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Maybe some chocolate-covered Oreos, chocolate-covered Ritz crackers with the peanut butter in there. Oh, all of that sounds pretty good. Not even lunchtime yet. That's Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined, as always, on the program by executive producer Joe Gaither, who together we combine to form the 60 Woo! of Sports Talk Radio. Joe Gaither, how was your weekend, my man? It was a good weekend, kind of busy. Got the got the grass cut, went to Top Golf, and uh, got in a couple naps. Top Golf, what did you think? Now, have you been there before? Was this your maiden voyage? Was the maiden voyage? Uh, it was. It was a good bit of fun. My wife actually did very well for herself. We went with a little group, and uh, she was just popping them right into the second target over and over and over again, scoring high. Yeah, some some genius went into developing that concept, right? Because you don't have to be Tiger Woods to have a good time. And it's priced where the folks at Top Golf do pretty good. And I've always thought, you know, we're foodies on the program, right? I've always thought the food that I've had there's been good enough. I don't know if, if you guys went uh, uh, off the menu there and, and did a few things, Joe. But, yeah, the all-around experience is kind of like the Walt Disney World for golf. You know, you, you kind of got it all encapsulated there. Yeah, we enjoyed it. Yeah, go ahead. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you would like to check in with us, don't leave me hanging on the high five, you know, like uh, like my boy just did. I know he's busy, though, okay? So I'm not going to not gonna get on him too much. You know, I'm fresh from bid day over the weekend. I was there yesterday, okay? So when you saw the Twitter up, the dust up on Twitter yesterday on social media, and I can tell you, yeah. There were crowds down there. Although, from what I understand, I, look, you got to understand with me, I have zero background in the Greek thing, all right? No background. Zero background. So when people tell me, you know, that, you know, compared to previous years, this is not a crowd at all, I, I guess that's the case. I, I haven't been down there really for uh, for bid die, as the moms like to say in northeast Tuscaloosa. Bid die. But, uh, you know, it was it was fine, I thought, by the sorority houses and sorority row and all that. I thought it was okay. Now, yeah, I was down by the strip a little bit. Didn't really get into the mix there on University Boulevard. But you could see it was bustling. It was bustling. I don't think the pictures that you saw yesterday were, you know, entirely lacking context. Uh, but folks going to do what they're going to do. You know, we do the activities down there 
uh, yesterday, and she was a happy, happy princess at the end of the day. So that's all that matters, right? That's all that matters until you start writing these checks to these sororities. But anyway, she was happy, and, uh, you know, we were masked up. And I thought most of the folks down there, they tried to stick to the protocol. Even folks that were outside and about over in the sorority row era area, okay? They were masked up pretty good, I thought. Um, again, I can't speak for everyone down there. I know what we did, and I feel good about our contributions. I saw you in your mask on social media. Yeah, you know, we uh, we're 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 good teammates. We're coachable. It looked like Tatum was masked folks. up as well. They had the entire pledge class masked uh, for their for their team photo, as I called it. You know, the uh, pledge class was entirely masked. The camera person was masked. Uh, the uh, the sprinkling appearance that were down there that I saw were masked. You also had it looked like UAPD patrolling sorority row down there and coming by and making people stay back and you know telling people to put mask on if they didn't have it so i thought the effort was there but again man i mean in most of these instances we're talking about full-grown people right and uh folks are going to do what they're going to do but uh we got a lot of sports to get into believe it or not on the program it is the first day of preseason practices around the Southeastern Conference, including right here in Tuscaloosa, where the Crimson Tide going to be a warm one, but that's this time of year. It's going to be warm later this afternoon when the Crimson Tide takes to the Thomas Drew practice fields under the watchful eye of head coach Nick Saban, heading into his 14th season, man. Crazy. We hope, right? We are hoping this is going to be his 14th season. And, uh, very talented team, and we're going to get more into that as we move throughout the program. We'll get into some areas of this team that we'll be particularly interested in when workouts formally get underway later today. You're going to hear from Nick Saban so much going on later this evening, right? I mean, you're going to have you're going to have Nick Saban at six ish. He's going to come right off that practice field, and then he's going to address the media about six ish. And, of course, at that exact same time or in that same time frame, you're going to have the Southeastern Conference dropping in full the schedule for the upcoming season for the SEC. Uh, That'll be entirely released. You're going to have a partial release, I guess one game at 2 o'clock on the Paul Feinbaum show, which makes you wonder if you're an Alabama fan, is Paul going to announce that the Iron Bowl is going to be the first week of the season? Oh, my word. No, I don't think that's going to happen. But you are going to have that one game announced at two, and then at six you'll have the full schedule. And, again, Nick Saban at about that same time. You know, and Nick Saban's going to be interesting because we haven't heard from Nick Saban, not in terms of local media anyway, the daily beat, the day-to-day beat, going to be the first time we've heard from Nick Saban in a long time. And that will happen virtually. Uh, we will not be over in the Naylor Stone Media Suite at the Malmore Athletic Facility. That'll be a different deal. Nick getting all technological these days, kind of forcing his hand a little bit here down the stretch. Nick, via Zoom or some other form of teleconferencing, will address the media around 6. And look, you know, I'm sure there'll be some roster updates. There'll be... Perhaps questions about potential opt-outs. Uh, you're going to have a little bit of everything in that teleconference coming up a little bit later this evening. It's going to be interesting, too, with moving forward, sort of the practice format. You know, I think people on the outside, they sort of hear, well, first day of practice, well, they're going to go at it for 25 straight days. They're not. That's not how it's going to work. Uh, because you're not really looking at an opener until September the 26th, and what, we're August 17th. And Saban had told you before, even if there was an extension to sort of fall camp or the preseason run-up to the season, he wasn't interested in you know, having his team out there as much as he possibly could. Uh, you're going to have four practices this week, today, tomorrow, Thursday, and Saturday. So it's going to kind of feel like spring practice from that standpoint. Doesn't mean there won't be a lot of football going on over there. Off Bryant Drive. But uh, as far as on the field work 
maybe not as much as you might think. And anyway, you're going to have the 20 hour rule in effect, which is going to limit you in exactly how much you can do uh, as we move into fall camp classes and talk about everything happening, right? Rosh, and then you're going to have practice starting today, and then you're going to have fall classes getting underway. And we've already talked about how the rubber's sort of going to meet the road. Uh, and again, where you like having this extra time before you try to fire it up on September the 26th, because based on how testing might go in the coming week or so, you might need all of that. And that's where I kind of don't get it, even with the Big 12. You know, the Big 12 came out with its conference schedule getting underway on September the 26th and then said, oh, we're going to play some ham and egg plus ones on September the 12th. Now, I guess you know you can put that out there with perhaps the expectation that you might need to adjust that. But you just heard last week Lincoln Riley of Oklahoma tells you his team came back and they had nine positives, you know, and you're talking about playing – on September the 12th. So we'll see how that works out for the Big 12. But, you know, the SEC still still at least can keep that carrot out there, keep chasing that carrot. And meanwhile, you've got Big Ten players like Justin Fields of Ohio State and others coming up with petitions and you know, getting after the Big Ten office and still wanting to play. I've, look, I've said it before. I feel bad for the players, man. You talk about the ultimate cruelty. To go through what those folks have gone through, really even back in the winter, because you come into January, February, and you're into that winter conditioning program. And that ain't no fun, all right? And then you end up with spring pretty much canceled. You're in this unknown stretch from the middle of March, really, until the middle of May, a couple of months worth. Then... They bring you back on campus in June. You spend essentially June and July getting ready for what you hope will be a college football season. They allow you to start fall camp and then release a schedule. And then within a week, they tell you, no, you know, not doing it. That's it. That's the end of the road. So I get the angst. Uh, justified, in my opinion, coming from the Big Ten players. But it uh, seems like that ship's already sailed in terms of playing football in the fall anyway 205-342-9904 is the peterbrook chocolatier studio line we're going to talk with hank south coming up in just a little bit too hank south my colleague there at bamaonline.com hank a busy man on saturday you know saturday kind of had that feeling of a fall saturday in college football at least where alabama's recruiting is concerned you had the 230 game Right, the CBS, the SEC on CBS 2:30 game was the commitment of Michael Goodwine to the Alabama Crimson Tide, the four-star defensive lineman from Fort Washington, Maryland. He took care of that at 2:30, and then around 6:30, you had Kyrie Jackson, the four-star corner, the nation's top-ranked junior college cornerback prospect for the 2021 cycle. He made his commitment to the Crimson Tide. So it almost felt like, anyway, in terms of the timing of it, like you had the 2.30 game and then maybe the 6.30 uh, SEC on ESPN game. You know, we can dream a little bit, right? But some nice pickups for Alabama on the recruiting trail. We'll talk with Hank about that coming up in just a little bit, sort of how Monkel Goodwine fits into this still this still developing defensive line class for Alabama in the 2021 cycle, and also um, also Kyrie Jackson, and how, depending on how some other things go with some other cornerback targets, the pickup of Kyrie Jackson might become even more critical as we move throughout the process. Uh, I've been asked about this, by the way, as far as, SEC practices, Alabama practices getting underway today. Uh, no, we will not, as the media, uh, have access. I told you, we're not going to, you're not going to hear from Nick Saban in the typical setup with media on hand and the media suite over there at the Malmore Athletic Facility. You're also not going to have the media observe, uh, observation periods. So there won't be that either for today. Now, 
you look around the National Football League and you see uh, some media coverage during those sort of periods and practices. Maybe at some point that comes back into play. I get it. This isn't a knock on Alabama or anyone else that right now, especially when you're just trying to get your legs under you and get your fall camp going, uh, you, you want to keep that that uh, that circle as tight as possible. I get that. Maybe in time that changes. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just going to be a crazy fall if we can get this thing in to just sort of consider how teams are covered, how it may have a carryover effect into the future. Um, you know, when you're talking about from a beat coverage perspective, I think your concerns, and we'll get more into these later in the program, you know, is that the official sites, you know, Alabama's official uh, site, RollTide.com, Alabama's official social media outlets, Twitter, face, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all those, uh, become more and more popular destinations I'll tell you why that's a legitimate concern, and I'll also tell you why the traditional media, when it comes to covering college football or sports in general, isn't going away anytime soon. And I'll tell you a a potential benefit of all this virtual coverage, these virtual interviews with players and the like, I'll tell you why that may end up being a good thing for the media coming up a little bit later as well. First, though, let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. And check in with Robert on a Monday over in Birmingham, Alabama. Robert, good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, buddy, all time no talk uh, since probably March at the lake during the corona uh, exodus. Hey, uh, I hear we, we have daughters in the same um, um, uh, sorority. You call it a sorority, I think? Sorority, yeah. In the sorority, same sorority. Yeah. Uh, Kappa? We yes, have yes, yes, yes. Oh, wow, Blue. how about that? Blue That's money awesome. going down there. Yeah, you'll spend a lot of it, and you'll wonder where it all goes. But yes, yes, yes. No, I, I know where it's going. Yeah, you know, that'll make it any easier. But uh, you know the things we do for our little princesses. Yeah, you know, and, uh, mine's, a, mine's a rising sophomore, so uh, I think oh, cool. your daughter played soccer and that. So maybe they need to hook up. My daughter's a big soccer girl. So okay, hey, quick, cool. quick question for you. Back in the eighties, were you were you part of the Jacksonville contingent that was recruited back by? by uh, Dubos and Ronnie Cottrell no, to come to Alabama. that was my younger brother. That was my younger brother. Yeah. Okay. We had the middle yeah. linebacker that never did anything. What was the guy's name? Uh, well, Travis Carroll actually ended up starting as a true freshman. It didn't It didn't go particularly well for Travis, big picture-wise. <laughs> um, Sam Matthews, a defensive lineman. Yeah. Yeah, those guys. I mean, so you, that, was, that was your younger brother. That's why I knew I'd, I'd heard your name before. And uh, yeah. Ronnie Cottrell recruited all of them, I think, and then it didn't go well for any of that stuff. Jeff after Rousey. That. So that's, that's, Jeff Rousey, a Jacksonville native, actually recruited that's right. Jacksonville that's, back then. Yeah, That's right. All right, man. Well, hey, well congratulations. Uh, they'll have a lot of fun. All right, man. Appreciate yeah. it. All right, Robert. I don't know. Does that make us, like, related or something? You know, both our daughters are Kappas now? I don't know. I don't know how that works. Again, I'm a Greek newbie, okay? You know, I'm not a part of the social media sort of groups that they have. You know, there were some parents getting fired up down there by Tutwiler yesterday, though. They weren't happy with some of the ordinances. They wanted to go into Tutwiler, up to the rooms, all this, and uh, there was a, a little bit of there was a little bit of displeasure. But uh, all's well that ends well, right? We're going to head to our first break. We come back as promised. Hank South, the BamaOnline.com is going to join us right here on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right after this. Partly to mostly sunny this afternoon, just a small chance of a shower through the evening hours. The high today, 91, the low tonight, 68. Most places will stay dry tomorrow. A good supply of sunshine with only a small chance of a shower. The high at 90. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide!
more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. And it was a busy weekend on the recruiting front. As we talked about earlier in the program, the Alabama Crimson Tide on Saturday with a double dip of commitments pushing its total for the 2021 cycle into the upper teens. Uh, also had some involvement with a wide receiver prospect on Friday of last week who ultimately made the decision to uh, go ahead and commit to the Auburn Tigers. And here to talk about all of that and more with us, recruiting analyst Hank South for us there at BamaOnline.com. Well, Hank, you tried to have a couple weekends where there wasn't a lot of commitment action for the Alabama Crimson Tide, but uh, lo and behold, it got back to business as usual, it sounds like, on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. A couple weekends off, and then, and then you know, a, a two-commit weekend. You know, we, we were kind of going every every Sunday um, with one guy, and um, but uh, ultimately, uh, we, we picked it back up in a big way with, with uh, Kyrie Jackson and, and Monkel Goodwine on Saturday. Um, both, you know, decisions we expected to go Alabama's way. Um, but you know, big pickups at, at two positions of need. We we've outlined remain for Alabama. We've seen the staff hit on offensive line, wide receiver, um, and some other spots. But you know, defensive end and uh, and cornerback were, were two spots that they were still working to fill out and and to get two guys um, of that caliber in Monkel Goodwine and Kyrie Jackson. It, w- it was a really big weekend that that inched Bama a little bit closer to Ohio State in, in the uh, in the recruiting rankings race. Of those two. Goodwine and Jackson was there a little more uncertainty with one of those two going into their announcements or they're uh, revealing their commitments on Saturday afternoon into Saturday evening or was there a strong sense with both those guys that it was pretty much a formality I think with with Goodwine there there was certainly more confidence um, that that he was going to end up picking Alabama. Uh, there there was some buzz about Clemson kind of midway through the week. Um, Dabo Sweeney and, and their staff were, were pushing for him um, real late. Obviously, you know they kind of circled back on him after Corey Foreman decommitted out of their class, so they didn't have as much time um, recruiting him. But um, that was kind of a little bit of a buzz. But I, I think you know it was pretty. Um, strongly felt across the board that Alabama was the team to beat there. Kyrie Jackson, you know, it, it was felt that Alabama was the team to beat, but he kind of has an interesting situation to where, you know, he can enroll early if he wanted to at a school, um, but th- there's kind of that rules that would that could sway that one way or the other. Um, with Big 12 schools, you know, he had Oklahoma in his top four. Um, he, he can actually – he could enroll there in January. Um, but with his um, his current status going to an SEC – or if he wanted to pick an SEC school like Alabama or, or like Florida, um, he has to take three consecutive semesters at his um, at his current junior college, East Mississippi. So um, that was kind of the, the question there. You know, I, we all kind of felt Alabama was the team to beat, but there was just that little bit of uncertainty. You know, does he want to get – uh, to his next stop a little bit sooner. I think Oklahoma did finish second for him um, in in the race for his commitment. But Bama ultimately won out. He's going to um, spend two more semesters at East Mississippi and enroll at Alabama next summer. Now, Hank, with junior college football pushing back to the spring, do we know at this time whether or not Kyrie Jackson will actually play football for Buddy Stevens over there in Scuba, Mississippi at East Mississippi, or is that still – something to be determined he says Kyrie says that he's not going to play next spring obviously you know he could have a change of heart and decide he does want to play get another year development before the next level Um, but the plan currently is to to not play um, for East Mississippi next spring which will give him which would give him um, three years of eligibility at Alabama I guess with Goodwine circling back to the defensive end from Fort Washington Maryland he sort of helps Alabama check some different boxes with the defensive line in this 2021 cycle. Obviously, Damon Payne and Quinn Barnes, they are kind of those war daddy interior types first and foremost. A good wine looks to be at 6'4", 260, Hank. More of that defensive end type, five technique in the base, can move him inside in some pass rush situations. Is that what we're seeing with this forming defensive line class for Alabama? 
Yeah, I think that's going to be you know the focus going forward. Obviously, you know there's there's guys out there still. The Bama's recruiting, you know, Tim Keenan, for one, he set a decision date for later this month on August 29th. I don't think Bama's really been pressing that hard for him as much as they were, you know, in the past. You know, he's, he's mentioned Georgia a little bit harder in his recruitment as of late. Um, there's Lee Hunter, the Auburn commit, uh, Mason Smith, the five-star defensive tackle. So there's still interior guys, um, you know, similar to the skill sets of uh, Anquan Barnes and, and Damon Payne, the Bama's recruiting. But I think the focus really is going to lie uh, on guys like Monkel Goodwine, who they picked up on Saturday, and and guys like maybe a, a Tunmise Adelier uh, that recently decommitted from Ohio State, uh, maybe a guy like Shamar Turner, um, the, the top 100 defensive end from from Texas, and, and even a guy like Shambray Jackson from from Orlando. I think that's kind of the focus we're going to see Bama really, uh, you know, turn to on the defensive line going forward. Yeah, I guess even Dallas Turner, the edge defender yeah. that Alabama has committed, could be an either or. You know, could stay at about his current size, which I think is what six four, two forty five, two forty ish. Right. or so and and play the jack outside linebacker role or maybe he too grows into a, a defensive end along those lines we're talking with hank south recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com on a monday edition of southern fried sports presented by houston hydra steam let's get back into the corner talk because with jackson coming on board obviously understanding that there are some big targets still out there including an in-state star in Jaquincy McKinstry. Where does this sort of take Alabama uh, at corner, I guess, specifically as, as much as anything? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's still going to be an area Bama's going to press for. They have Kyrie Jackson on board. They have Devontae Smith on board. Um, but I don't think they're going to stop there. Obviously, Jaquincy McKinstry is one of the big names still out there. And, and there was actually buzz over the weekend. Um, Keith Niebuhr of our Auburn undercover site on 24-7 Sports put in a crystal ball pick for Auburn. Um, you know, we, we've kind of been talking about it the last few weeks that the buzz around that recruitment is, you know, if he decides sooner possibly this month, which people close to him, including Jaquincy, have said is possible, I, I think that favors Auburn. I think they're kind of the team with a little bit more buzz right now um, behind the scenes. So we're watching that. The longer it goes on, I think the more favorable for Alabama. Obviously, Alabama is still pushing there as well as LSU. So that's a that's a really intriguing recruitment we're keeping an eye on. He's a name of focus. Um, you know, Terry and Arnold, another guy, he's rated as a safety, um, but he's certainly a guy that could – play cornerback at the next level. He's recruited all over the defensive secondary. Um, he remains a big priority target. There's actually been buzz with Terry and Arnold too the last week um, with, with Florida coming on real strong for him as well. So there, there's a, you know, there's several defensive backs. I think it starts with Jaquincy McKinstry, uh, but th those are kind of, you know, in, in terms of the direction Bama is going at the cornerback position with the two guys they have committed now. Yeah. And if you watch a little bit of Kyrie Jackson's, tape from Fort Scott Community College, which is where he was out in the Jayhawk Conference before transferring to East Mississippi. This is a guy you take regardless, in my opinion. 6'3", 197 pounds. Um, you know, you, you sometimes hear talk, and I know you've touched on this at BamaOnline.com, or we have as a staff in general. You know, you get the 6'3", at corner. How realistic is it for a guy at that size to play that position uh, in this era of football, but you watch the tape of this guy. He's a outstanding athlete, very flexible, plays downhill when he needs to, can be physical. Uh, Kyrie Jackson, a really nice pickup for Alabama at the corner spot. So, again, we talk so much about that DMV area because Kyrie Jackson with ties up there to the D.C. area, Michael Goodwine uh, from up that way. Uh, and then Malcolm Johnson, the wide receiver that both Alabama and Auburn were in on. We talked with you about this last week. And Johnson late last week makes the decision to commit to the Auburn Tigers. And I don't think you were probably totally surprised by that because you had mentioned that very real possibility. But then we hear from Malcolm Johnson that he's going to reclassify to the class of 2020 and go ahead and enroll at Auburn here in the coming days, did that surprise you a little bit, that aspect of of uh, his announcement? Uh, you know, a little bit. We got wind, um, I, I guess, around last Wednesday that that was the plan, and that was kind of what 
sealed the deal for Auburn in his recruitment. Uh, but kids, yeah, we've, we've been mentioning Auburn and, and LSU as the two teams outside of Alabama that or other than Alabama that could really be a factor for, for Malcolm Johnson. And obviously that ended up being the case. He actually made his way down to SEC country and, and visited those schools, LSU and, and, and Georgia as well prior to making that decision. But um, I, I think it was in the end, the chance to enroll immediately um, play for Auburn this fall. I think that's what really um, pushed them ahead of the other schools because I did have a crystal ball pick in for Alabama. I thought, you know, in late July, they were the team to beat. But once he made his mind up on, you know, finishing out high school, graduating um, early and, and enrolling, I think that's what separated Auburn from the others. I don't know, Hank. It may just be me, but it seems like schools are throwing more scenarios at top targets than they ever have between multiple sports, between reclassification. Are you picking up some of that in this particular cycle, or is this kind of where we've been for a while now? It it does seem like it's becoming more part of the conversation. Obviously, we see it so much more prevalent in basketball, um, but with, with football, especially in 2020 with the coronavirus having so many different impacts on Everything um, involving college football, um, it, it's been discussed more. You know, we saw Tony Grimes, who is the number one cornerback in the country in the 2020, 2021 class. He was committed to North Carolina. He just went ahead and enrolled at North Carolina, um, and, and he's practicing with the Tar Heels right now. I, I want to say uh, there's besides Malcolm Johnson, there's some other examples of it. I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. I, I you know. Football is a little bit tougher, you know, developmentally. I think that senior year is really important for a lot of guys. I don't think we're going to see it become too widespread. Um, I think this year is kind of a, you know, asterisk year as far as uh, opportunities for guys to go ahead and do that if they have the credits. Uh, But, you know, it is it it definitely is becoming more part of the conversation. And, you know, we saw JT Daniels do it a couple of years ago, too, with USC um, opting out of his senior year at Matter Day. So it's something guys look at, but I don't think it's going to become this this really widespread trend in football at least. It's been more quarterback-centric, it yeah. seems like. You mentioned JT Daniels a few years before that. Jake Bentley uh, reclassified at South Carolina. And it seems like a lot of these guys end up taking red shirts at some point, which is interesting. Now, with Daniels and Bentley, that was more about injuries. But it, it, it hasn't worked out as of yet, for the most part, where guys come in, reclassify, and similar to basketball, they're gone in three seasons or even two, like we saw with Kyra Lewis here at UA uh, over the last couple of seasons. Hank, I uh, wanted to ask you, too, with the news that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have opted out for the upcoming fall where a season is concerned, I got to think that's the, 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 the potential for the SEC, the ACC and the Big 12 to play football over these next three or four months from a recruiting perspective. Some of these coaches in the Big 10 and Pac-12 have to be pulling their hair out right now in, in trying to sort of process all of that. Am I am I overestimating that? Um, does it really matter if you're an Ohio State or maybe even a Michigan or a Penn State or, you know, how do you think that's being received on the recruiting front uh, where that's concerned. Yeah, I, th- I think you can look at it both ways. Obviously, you know, w- with playing, you're going to have that exposure. You can put it on the field. You know, you've been talking to these kids all off season about, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is the area, you know, your position is an area we need. We You can go show that on the field and, and put it on tape and, you know, just have that exposure. The kids can turn on ESPN and, and see it right there. Um, on the other hand, you can look at the Big Ten and the Big 12 and, and their their coaching staffs are going to have all the time in the world like they've had this spring and summer to just focus on recruiting and, and just, you know, really uh, focus on that and, and keep in you know, yeah. close contact with these guys and, and pay attention there. So, I, you know, I think certainly, you know, you want to have a season, you want to be able to show it on the field and, and you know, be able to have that exposure. Um, I think what's going to be interesting with, with this is, you know, we've seen the dead period extended through September 30th. Um, you know, if, if these things follow through, you know, we're seeing Justin Fields really push and all these uh, Big Ten 
teams really push to still have a season. But, you know, if it follows through and there is, is no season for them, um, you got to think that the dead period is going to extend through the fall because you, you can't imagine having that kind of advantage of having kids on visits for game weekends and, you know, visits yeah. where they can't have football. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this kind of all unfolds. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to have major – I mean, you know, we'll see how major recruiting impacts. I think it could have some significant um, impacts down the road. Yeah, competitive balance is going to be the battle cry, I think, uh, certainly when you talk about things from a recruiting perspective in the coming months. Well, as always, Hank South, great job with us here on Southern Fried Sports. Always great, great stuff there at BamaOnline.com. Thanks a lot, Hank. Of course. Thanks, Travis. There he goes, Hank South, recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com. If you haven't already, give Hank a follow on Twitter, at Hank South. Two four seven. Back with more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show brought to you in part by Houston Hydrostein, 205-553-9460. That's going to get you in touch with Jackie, his outstanding staff and crew there at Houston Hydrostein. Go ahead right now. Take care of the carpets. Take care of the rugs, the upholstery, the tile, and the grout. Now's the time to do it with Houston Hydrostein, 205-553-9460, home to the Houston Rug Revival, which we can very much attest to at Casa de Ryer. Great, great work. Houston Hydrostein, quality work you can stand on. Thanks again to Hank South, BamaOnline.com, talking some recruiting following a big weekend for the Crimson Tide. On the football trail, a couple of new commitments, and Michael Goodwine, four-star defensive lineman, and also Kyrie Jackson, the four-star corner from the junior college level, the nation's top prospect at his position in J.C. football. Interesting what Hank had to say about Jackson in terms of whether or not he'll even play this season because junior college football has been pushed back to the spring and if you're a guy like Kyrie Jackson and you've already got your next stop secured, do you really want to go ahead and burn a year of eligibility, burn a season of eligibility in the spring when you can sit out and save that year and be a three-year guy at the four-year level? Sounds like, according to Hank anyway, that's where Kyrie Jackson's head is at right now. Maybe a three-year guy in Kyrie Jackson at the University of Alabama. We were talking a little bit earlier because it is the first day of practice at Alabama and elsewhere around the Southeastern Conference, uh, how your coverage is going to be so much different. And I know at BamaOnline.com and other outlets in this market, you know, not having access to uh, a fan day. I mean, fans have already felt this. There, there's no fan day this year. Um, there's no in-person media day. Typically, for the media, media day with Alabama football was all-encompassing with fan day. You'd have media day in the morning. You'd have the offensive and defensive coordinators speak along with Saban, and then the team would go over to Bryant-Denny Stadium for the team photo. Uh, A pretty good number of players would be made available on the playing surface there at Bryant-Denny Stadium. 
to reporters, and then in the afternoon you would have the fan day practice and then the autograph session that always has followed that open practice, the only one, the only true open practice of fall camp on an annual basis at Alabama. All that's gone now. So you're going to hear from Nick Saban via Zoom uh, this evening around 6. And then throughout the week, what you'll see is you'll see Steve Sarkeesian in the next day or so. He'll address reporters virtually. Pete Golding, defensive coordinator, later in the week is set to uh, address reporter. So going to be an entirely different deal here that we're talking about. And it kind of makes you wonder moving forward because in all aspects of sports, we're sort of wondering whether it's we're talking about baseball and will the universal DH be permanent now since we've had it in this 60 game season, just going to go ahead and make that a, a regular part of the game moving forward and you know just how the games and sports are covered. Uh, and I talked about it earlier, you know, you're going to be, we're going to be even, you know, pretty dependent uh, upon UA and uh, other places to sort of provide whatever look we get from inside practice. That's where that's going to be coming from, you know, whether it's photos, whether it's video, things like that. And so it's easy to envision a scenario where the, franchise the team the university you know is able to take more and more of that in-house but the reason why you're going to continue to have the traditional media the mainstream media is that in large part because you're not going to be able to have unbiased takes on the official accounts you know you're not going to be able to have an opinion that doesn't necessarily fall in line with the company line when you do all that. And people still look, you got shows like get up, you got other programs on other networks, hot take shows. You know, I know all these people talk about how they can't stand the hot take shows. And I just see people like Stephen A. Smith and uh, Skip Bayless and Colin Coward and hot take artists just get bigger and bigger deals extensions, bigger platforms. That's all I've seen. So obviously there is a market for it. Um, and again, though, under the official sort of umbrella, you know, you're going to have access to, to guests, but you know, your access internally is going to be limited to what Nick Saban and coaches want you to have access to, obviously. Now, I will say this. One of the things I think we may see that's a benefit to reporters in this virtual era of media coverage is that I think athletes might be more comfortable in the virtual setting, more so than maybe if they're at a podium or in front of a bank of cameras, in front of 15 reporters. I mean, think about it. And, I, and on top of that, you know, athletes are coached by media, internal media relations folks and things like that to be pretty much guarded in what they say. So there's that on top of it. But even if they weren't, I think most athletes would be a little bit more on guard uh, in those settings when you, you are you know, looking at, again, 10 cameras, you're maybe standing at a podium. That's just going to be sort of the natural inclination. But virtually, especially with young folks, this is how they communicate today, right? I mean, I thought Mac Jones and Najee Harris last week, when they did their virtual stuff, were really good. Now, it probably doesn't matter with those two guys. They're probably going to be good regardless. But I'm just talking about in terms of a comfortability. And this is how 18 to 22 year olds communicate. It's us, the media, that's having to adjust. This is no adjustment for Mac Jones or Najee Harris. You know, FaceTime, you know, all those things. That's how they get it done. I mean, you think about it. Mac Jones and Najee Harris, when they hang out with friends, they're not standing at a podium or standing in front of a bank of cameras and hanging out with their friends. And this is more along the lines of what they do every day and in in other aspects of their life and their social life. So maybe, maybe you're actually going to get some more 
stuff that you wouldn't get uh, from the more traditional standpoint. We're going to step aside to our final break. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. We'll get a little bit more into some things that we'll have our eyes and ears open for at BamaOnline.com when the Alabama Crimson Tide takes to the practice field coming up in about four hours now over at the Thomas Drew practice fields on the University of Alabama campus. We'll do that right after this. Partly to mostly sunny this afternoon, just a small chance of a shower through the evening hours. The high today, 91, the low tonight, 68. Most places will stay dry tomorrow. A good supply of sunshine with only a small chance of a shower. The high at 90. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Christine McVie. Last time Fleetwood Mac came through the area, I guess it was, it wasn't, it wasn't this last February. I don't think, maybe it was, maybe it was one of the last live shows I actually saw. I took the youngest daughter over to the BJCC, also known as Legacy Arena, and we caught a Lindsey Buckinghamless version of Fleetwood Mac. I mean, you still had Stevie, and you had Christine, so it was still, you know, it was good enough. But uh, that may have been one of the last shows to come through the the Birmingham area. Hey, uh, as we get out of here on a Monday, obviously a huge afternoon coming up. We'll have coverage for you both here on Tide 100.9 FM and, of course, at BamaOnline.com as well. Again, you're going to have the 2 o'clock reveal of the Week 1 games wonder if we might see anything seismic there in week one in terms of how the matchups play out. Not going to have the iron bow in week one, I wouldn't think. But just in terms of rivalry games in general, the Egg Bowl, the Iron Bowl, Florida, Georgia, you know, some of those games that you sort of set your calendar to throughout the course of a college football season, how will those lay out? We do anticipate Alabama practicing football this afternoon. And certainly, again, we talked about earlier, once you get past roster management, you know, actually who practiced um, and those things, you start looking more at some of the positional aspects of things, outside linebacker in the secondary on defense, who's going to replace Terrell Lewis, Anthony Jennings, as your edge rushers in your secondary you know, what about Xavier McKinney moving on? What about Trayvon Diggs moving on? What about Shaheem Carter moving on? What about Jalen Maiden, uh, Jared Maiden moving on? Jalen's his brother at Mississippi State. Um, how's that secondary going to play out? The health of your inside linebackers, starting with Dylan Moses. Uh, you get over on the uh, offensive side of the ball, left guard, return four offensive line starters. How do you go about replacing uh, the left guard position are shuffling that, assuming Evan Neal goes from left guard to right tackle. Really, what you're doing is replacing your right tackle, of course, in Jedrick Wills. But the assumption has been that that will be as simple as Evan Neal kicking out to right tackle. And if that, in fact, is the case, you have a wealth of candidates when it comes to interior linemen that you can consider there. Uh, at one of those spots, if that's the route you take. You've got wide receiver depth to consider. Uh, you've got running back depth to consider. How that going to shake out? Once you get past Najee Harris, obviously Brian Robinson's back too. But I think as much as anything, folks are interested to see, and this sort of plays back to what we talked about with the health status of some guys, Trey Sanders. 
going into his second year in the program. Of course, it was at this time, almost exactly a year ago, that he sustained a lower extremity injury that kept him out of the 2019 season. Here's some good things about where he's at in that return. You actually had seen some of that towards the end of the 2019 season. He moved on the field, was doing some on-the-field rehab work with Jeff Allen's staff. So exactly where is Trey Sanders at? It's easy to forget, right? Trey Sanders was the number one running back recruit in the country in the 2019 cycle. So certainly an individual that could impact things mightily as well. As we get out of here, how about the, uh, again, man, seems like we talk about this every week, and we do, the Alabama men's and women's golf teams and how much those programs are impacting professional golf right now. You know, yesterday was the sixth straight Sunday that between Alabama's men's and women's golf programs, you were talking about alums that were right there on the cusp of winning events either on the PGA, Corn Ferry, uh, and or LPGA Tours. Yesterday it was Cheyenne Knight, 2017 SEC Player of the Year for Mick Potter and the women's program at UA. She got into a four-way playoff over at the Ladies Scottish Open. Came up a little bit short. Ran into Stacey Lewis, two-time major champion. Lewis in that playoff birdied the first sudden death hole to win it. But that marked the sixth straight weekend that Alabama had a men's or women's team alum finish either first or second. Four champs in that stretch on the Corn Ferry and PGA Tours, and now uh, second place finishes from the men's and women's teams as well. That's going to do it for a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier. Thanks, as always, to Hank Sal for joining the program, Joe Gaither and company doing an outstanding job for us as well, and a lunch whistle on this Monday. Get the week going right out there. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Yardbird is never a bad way to kick off any day or have lunch on any day with that Yardbird chicken sandwich. It's out of this world. Chopped chicken wedge, a good way to go if you're maybe counting some calories. Can't go wrong with Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday, have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. <laughs>